You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada. I am so thrilled to introduce you to Jeremy Shackey, who is the CEO and co-founder of Lighthouse Labs. Jeremy co-founded Lighthouse Labs in 2013 with the goal of finding innovative ways to train the next generation of tech talent. Jeremy, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I have no doubt that marketers, CMOs, business owners who are listening to this show right now, right across Canada, no doubt can just look out into their staff or look onto their staff's LinkedIn channels and no doubt one, two, three, four, five of their employees are probably Lighthouse Labs alumni at this very moment. Why not seven or eight, Darren? Why not seven or eight? No, I, I'm. Uh, it's it's been it's been a fun eight years. I hope that we're making that kind of impact. That that is the case, and uh, hopefully marketers notice because you know marketers are the best at sharing all the news. So I just have to get them to be aware. That's awesome. So, how many alumni to date since 2013? So at this point, we're, it's kind of depends on how you want to look at it in our boot camp program, stuff like that. Uh, we're kind of nearing our 3,500 mark, 3,500, 4,000 graduates uh, all wow. time, especially considering I know it says we've been here for eight years, but you know, your first year you, <laughs> you produce 40 graduates if you're lucky and kind of build from there. So definitely a big accomplishment. But overall, we've been helping, uh, we've helped over 40,000 people learn digital skills. And I think that's kind of, that's the number that we really like to share around because obviously the boot camp and what we do as our core product is something that a lot of people know and like, especially for the results it generates. But our team gets extremely excited about all these stuff, whether it's smaller courses or free stuff that we do to help train the community and give people digital skills. It's the most meaningful for us. 95% of Lighthouse Labs grads find a job, a career within 188 days of graduation. How, how does that work? How are you able to pull off those sort of numbers? Well, I'd think, you know, whereas most education thinks, how do we meet learning outcomes that are set by our curriculum writers? Um, I think we start by saying, how are we making sure everybody gets a job? <laughs> uh, so honestly, I'd say most companies, if, especially as a marketer, I think most people understand that whatever your first principle is, whatever the number one thing you are constantly trying to do, the more likely you are going to accomplish it. For us, school is a means to an end and not all school. We're very comfortable with universities and other groups that do things for different reasons. Ours and what we do is we are here to help people fill that talent gap. And uh, so that's number one. And then I think the second is understanding that yes, every person is a little bit of an individual and personalization and understanding how people have their own roadblocks and hurdles and having the kind of resources to actually attack that and deal with that and work through things whether it's dealing with their grief or dealing with their success and the things that are pushing them beyond where they're ready for, we have people always on the ready to help our students. That's incredible. So if I am a business owner, agency, CMO right now, and I need to fill positions in my company, what sort of uh, grads are you putting out? What kind of students are they? And how can I get a hold of these freshly equipped, ready to go people? You know, we'll start with our, our big our big core subjects are web development and data science. We actually just launched a cybersecurity course. So all of those, I think if people are looking for talent in those spaces, 
really happy to kind of help support with talent. And all it really takes is talking to our career services team. We don't get, we don't make a fit. I mean, we love, you know, we have a few little partnerships, but overall we don't have any official deals or anything like that with companies. We talk to the company, we get a sense of if it, first of all, would be a fit for a graduate. We don't send people anywhere where there wouldn't. And usually that amounts to you're paying them there is someone more senior in the company that can definitely be of support. You don't want these people being your CTOs or your chief data science officer. And from there, it's really making sure that the stack and the kind of things that people are working on would be the right setup. Then from we actually just put people, we give you a bunch of resumes, a bunch of interview possibilities. Companies do what they want with it. There's no fees. There's no anything behind it. And the goal is to facilitate and make this as easy as possible for both the student and the company. We don't actually collect anything on either end from either side. That The goal is to just get someone a job. That's amazing. You're like a free eHarmony slash Tinder for uh, people who need the right fits for their, uh, their company. It's amazing. A little less swiping. I wish it was yeah. that easy. That's all. That's incredible. So for you, what, what motivates you day in and day out to do something like this? Like there's, you know, all sorts of jobs you could have done with your life, all sorts of careers you could have gone into. Why this? What, what kind of wakes you up in the morning? That's like, man, I love what I do with Lighthouse Labs. So, uh, in terms of why I do this, I, like, first of all, my parents are former hippies. And what that really means is I got, they're, they're both entrepreneurs of their own type. My mom's an artist. My father is an artist who started a clothing business. They talked about current events on a regular basis when I was young, and they always kind of reinforced for me that doing something with impact was a major part of your purpose and why you live and why you should, how you'll feel good. That's definitely kind of trained for me. And so knowing that I want to be in some kind of space where I was doing some kind of good probably is, is somewhere in me, the, the first thing that's really driving me. But when it comes to what we're doing and why I do education and this type of education very specifically, I'm somebody who my university degree is in poli sci. I loved my university degree. I think it was super valuable. It's helped me along the way. What it wasn't was something that yeah. drove me towards a specific job. And the more, and then I got into marketing and I worked in a marketing agency and I worked my way up a marketing agency to be a director of marketing without a degree in it. And I learned that how much you can learn on a job and how 90% of what you learn is learning on the job. And then I looked around and watched a bunch of 23 to 35 year olds really struggling with the idea of both how to grow in companies, but also how to change careers midway. That people, people don't want to be in the same place doing the same thing for the rest of their life. And yet, if there's not enough infrastructure to change, then that's what you do because you're constantly on this track and train. And I read this really great book once. It was Whatever You Think, Think the Opposite. That's the name of the book. And the idea was, was that if you are somebody who defines yourself by the true impactful things you do, you will fail sometimes, you will succeed sometimes, but others will notice for the things that you've succeeded and you will find yourself in places you really want to be. If you just climb a ladder because that's the safe thing to do, eventually, and God knows everybody in marketing knows this, you start hitting 40 years old in marketing in an agency, and you know there's younger talent that is likely a little bit cheaper than you with fresh ideas and so on. There's a real challenge to that top end, and people really get stalled. Um, so for me, doing what I do is about helping start building a consideration for how adults can adjust and change their life the way they ultimately want to. And building an, a school that allows people to change mid-career within a very short amount of time and know that they can get an outcome. The, the outcome is the confidence they need. The timing is the speed. 
And, and timing, give me, give me a range of what that looks like for uh, Lighthouse Labs courses. Uh, the boot camp is 12 weeks. It's very intensive. And it's literally taking people who've had no experience or very little experience and putting them to a place where at the beginning, we had to convince a lot of people that they would be good enough. At this stage and at this point, I think you know every major company has hired multiple Lighthouse Labs grads, which includes your Googles and your Amazons, but also your Canadian Shopify's and Hootsuites and all your startups in midsize. And I think that was just a really important element to people understanding that 12 weeks, it's not about time. It's about the approach. It's about the growth mindset. It's about what you're, how you are training people like a workplace, because what people really want in their companies is professionals, people who are good professionals who learn extremely fast. And that's, that's the element behind everything we do. And I think it's, it's about the kind of human beings that you're training in the first place. It's incredible. So uh, kind of putting you in the realm of higher ed and being with your, uh, having your marketing background, what do you think has been the key to the Lighthouse Labs, you know, growth success? What has been kind of those marketing wins that you were like, man, when we started doing this or when we see this happen, this is where we see that growth. I was trained really early. So I I worked in an experiential marketing agency uh, before Lighthouse Labs. And that was, I was director of marketing in that agency. And I watched other experiential agencies. I loved experiential marketing. Experiential marketing, you saw these like, you know, the, the flash mobs, you saw these incredible experiences built. And there's this one company, which was our rival company, a much bigger company, which is Mosaic, which is in Toronto. And they built this uh, town, this whole town that was in, I think, the the Alps. No, it was in Colorado, maybe. I don't know where it was. But it was all for this alcohol kind of, it was for an alcohol. But what they did is they invited tons of people to have great times. And the idea was have great times in this little town that they built just for this brand. And by doing so, they'd then take a ton of content out of it. And it was like, really, people had to be having good times for that to have worked. And so what they did is they spent a ton of time building this thing amazingly. They couldn't just fake it. They couldn't just lie. And then they took pictures and blogs and content and video and everyone went, I wish I was there. And so what really worked for Lighthouse was to actually say, look, we were starting with a premise that actually people were really skeptical about 12 weeks. 12 weeks is yeah. something that anybody would go, you know, and, and it's all comp sci people on the other end going, whoa, whoa, whoa. I've spent like eight years learning this stuff. There's no way someone in 12 weeks is going to do it. The biggest thing that we did in marketing was we actually integrated all those developers right into our program to be mentors and supporters. And then we really wow. made the content. We built the content out of what was actually happening as opposed to Google ads. And we we kind of forego, forego the like, let's just chase audiences. And instead, we built, we built events. We built series of workshops. We did all kinds of things where people could experience a different way that they were being taught and go, wow, I just learned a lot more than I thought was possible. The other thing that really helped was reducing intimidation around the subject. And we spent a lot of time on one day, free events and things like that, helped someone achieve something by the end. And if they achieved it by the end and they accomplished something at the end and and then they could share it, we saw how good they felt. And that was essentially a microcosm of what we were doing in our program, which is like, you spend 12 weeks, you can accomplish a hell of a lot, but also, you know, you're not done your journey, right? And that's the mentality that we had people come out. And then, yeah, the content that came out of that honestly, honestly, transparency. So we use social media aggressively to just show people what was happening. Worked out really well. So story behind the name. I need to hear it. It's <laughs> a terrible story, actually. Um, the story behind the name is we were a bunch of partners and uh, I, I had no background in tech and coding. A couple of my partners do. And I was, I was going to be the marketing guy. When we first started, I, I had no lens for the CEO. And when we started talking as a group and we said, what's, what are we going to name this thing? Some of the names that people were coming up with were, I kind of stopped them and I was like, this is exactly tech's problem. 
is it is about as unapproachable as you can possibly think. And then there was like really obvious names like that probably would have been great for SEO in hindsight, but like Code Stars or, you know, Code, I forget what the other one was. It was like Coding You or whatever. And it's like, yeah, that's that's very straightforward as a name. And I told them all, I was like, if you want to get people who aren't in this to come into this, something different that has to be different than what you'd get in university and higher ed and something different than what you're going to get from general technologists. And so we started looking at some stuff. Uh, interestingly, the two names that it came down to was Unicorn Academy, which I'm so thankful. I was like so against, but my team really liked it. I really liked it. And I was like, I don't want Unicorn Academy. Please don't make us do this. And the other one was Lighthouse Labs. And Lighthouse Labs came from a picture. We were starting in Vancouver. And we just looked up some amazing different things that we thought were iconic in Vancouver. And the lighthouses along Stanley Park were kind of the things that we just loved. And, you know, this idea of guiding and all those kind of things were part of it. But in the end, it was actually purely just something different, something that connected us to the community that we were in and something that someone would go, wait, that's the school's name was actually a really important element to us. And I guess the alliteration of labs at the end just gave it that techie feel, you know? That's, that's a great story. And, and do you go down to that lighthouse now? Like, does your team ever go down for pictures? I have pictures. I have pictures next to the lighthouse, but I'll tell you the funniest story is I moved to Vancouver for lighthouse labs, like to start it. And when I moved there, I moved into my friend's house for four months, couch surf, did the whole thing. And, uh, then I moved, so started lighthouse labs. And when, when I moved into my actual proper house, I went into my bedroom and right on top of my bed was a painting of a lighthouse that was in Stanley park. And I thought it was so crazy. I was like, I can't believe, because it was a fully furnished place. And I was like, I can't believe this is what's here. I immediately took it down and was like, I'm definitely not sleeping with my business right above my bed. That would probably not be great. I brought it to the office and we actually built this whole collection of lighthouse paraphernalia that was for a couple of years there. It was insane how many pictures of lighthouses we had, including pictures of the actual lighthouse. That is amazing. For you now, it's it's been going since 2013. It's incredible reputation, incredible grads. The grads continue to, I don't know, do uh, great accomplishments and amazing companies. What's next for you? What, what are you excited about kind of this, this next season, Lighthouse Labs? Um, so I, I am really excited. We've been partnering more with universities and specifically forget like when I say that everybody thinks, oh, they're helping undergrad. It's actually, I think the next generation of higher ed, and this is where Lighthouse may be here, or this might be my competition. It might actually be where we support. And ultimately, I hope it's what's achieved is, I think the continuing ed departments of universities is where, A, for them, there's a lot of new revenue. But more importantly, everybody's gone to, whoever's gone to university with an undergrad degree, that's a repeat customer who would really love if the university was paying attention enough attention to their career to offer them courses and things that were actually really good for moving forwards. And we've been partnering with universities to offer these courses through their continuing ed departments and starting to see some really great success in our pilots with it. And we'll continue kind of driving on that front. So that's really exciting for us as we continue to build. I think the other thing is just the corporate upskilling space where, you know, we've been filling the talent gaps with people changing careers Uh, We're starting to do a lot more of the talent gaps within companies and helping people gain those professional skills, whether they are already developers or data scientists and they need upskilling from there, or actually more like my favorite course that we actually delivered this year was for HR professionals and data for HR professionals. And how do you do more with data and how do you use it properly? And how do you think about it? Because they're not taught that in school. Things like that, I think are, 
I want Lighthouse to be a place that is not defined by a, a program like a web boot camp. I think the whole goal of our school was that we were adjusting the formats of, of schools and more malleable with our formats and to lot to all of a sudden fall into a regular format that that's the locked in one forever is just what a college did. Eventually colleges were disrupted by groups like ours. I think we have to be very careful. And the goal is moldable, malleable programs that are more personalized towards individuals. And that's what I'm, that's ultimately what I'm, what I'm chasing. It's amazing. I was asked uh, this last year to contribute to the Pearson textbook for a, uh, the PR textbook. And, and I said with a caveat, I was like, okay, here's some content for you, but you know, it's going to expire. Right. Like I'm giving you fruit that will soon expire within like, you know, three to six months. Yeah. And, and, and cause, and the textbook was planning to publish like a year and a half from the date I sent it. So I, I feel, I do feel for these universities, these large cruise ships that are going along. I love that you're coming alongside these ships and in a sense, being those lifeboats and being those support boats alongside. Them. I think that's the point is the universities have a very specific setup and schools have a, like, you know, government has a setup that actually it does take a long time. Everybody just has to acknowledge that the real problem is technology is going to continuously change. It's not like, oh, you get to build the curriculum and it lasts for five years. It's, and we've had so much debate about this internally. Building curriculum that can constantly evolve may not be what universities are strong at. What they are strong at is, from a credibility perspective, making sure that the education is quality enough for their people. And groups like ours could come and go. If I was a university, I'd be going, I'll partner with Lighthouse for a few years their stuff might become redundant. And by that time, I'll move on to another third-party group that's actually way better as long as I can vet their quality and, and feel good about it. Why should a university have to build all this stuff? You know, we saw that during COVID, yeah. they started sharing curriculums because the curriculum isn't the secret sauce. That's not it. Yeah. It's, it's the delivery. Yeah. No, that's incredible. So I got to talk about the red elephant in the room. What, what was it like during COVID to discover that Red Academy went bankrupt? And, you know, another Canadian micro-credentialing school, upskilling school. It was brutal. You know, I think a lot of people reached out to us and were like, oh, look at you guys, like you're killing it versus, you know, that must be nice that your competitor fell off. And it's the complete opposite for us. Um, I think when you're in an industry like we are, we're, it's very important. Every city we've ever expanded to that had a boot camp was five times easier of a city for us to set up and do well in than a city that didn't, right? The, the learning and the understanding of what we do is still very nascent. And so having groups do it well is really important. I also think, you know, like there was the part that was for the students. I think we felt really bad. We actually helped a lot in terms of helping their students find new programs and with us and so on for the not having to pay more money. I think the government tried to step up as much as possible based on the regulating body. But I'd, I'd say, honestly, as a boot camp owner, I also felt for, I know the pressures and strain. Everybody sees a private school and goes, well, these guys are raking in the money. I've done this for eight years and we're not raking in the money. That's a hard situation for those guys. They went out and raised a lot of money. They tried to do something quite different. And I think they got behind schedule. And when you get behind schedule like that, it can be really problematic. And I think they're, you know, they, they had built something that was really fostered on community, their teachers, their people. And I know that anybody that builds like that and then to have that fall apart and kind of the way it did, like it definitely wasn't good for the students or teachers. It did not end well, I don't think. I think that probably hurts anybody that was part of building it. And it, it scars people a little bit and it scars the people who were involved in relationships or partnerships or anything. And I, I don't ever want to see that kind of happen to a group. I'm looking for success for every single boot camp in the country. And, and thankfully there are groups, as you mentioned, like PTIB, that's providing some sort of support and some governing bodies to, uh, 
these micro credential schools and these these uh it's it's really a big difference you know the two big differences between what you see in the US and what you see in Canada the US it feels like a lot of the a lot of the industry like our industry is almost out there trying to like go you know we don't want anybody overseeing us like they're very tech and by being very tech there's a lot of protections for students that aren't there and we've heard way worse stories come from the US like Red Academy is one of the worst stories that you'll hear in Canada and ultimately PTIB took care of them other schools stepped up because there was a governing body over it, which is which is the part of government that everybody undermines. Like, I'm sure they could have done better, but it doesn't matter. There was a group there and schools here, every school here is working with government, not outside of it, which is huge. The other part is that those schools are really thinking about the value proposition of universities are so expensive in the US. Yes. Canada, they're expensive. They're not, it's not the same problem. And in fact, like in some cases, like boot camps are, you know, it's the opportunity cost that you're gaining with Lighthouse. The fact there's only 12 weeks and you work, but 12, 12, $13,000. Well, it's like a couple of years in university for a lot of people, residents in their own cities. So I think that changes the nature of what you are ultimately out there to do. And I, it's why I think Canadian boot camps are amazing. Like I think every boot camp that is succeeding in Canada, whether it's us, Brain Station, Juno, all these groups are doing really, really tremendous work because they're working under very different different variables and and with a much better value proposition. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now, but I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So Americans who have discovered 
this show, um, come on up. You're That's allowed. Right. The border That's is right. open to we're you, happy. and and we welcome we have Americans yeah, in our program trial. right now. And we're getting we're getting Canadians <laughs> jobs in both Canada and the U.S. at this point. American companies are yeah. banging down our door to have ta- Canadian talent. No, it's pretty awesome. And I think yeah, thanks to groups like Shopify and Hootsuite, uh, Unbounce for putting Canada on the map in such a pretty awesome way. Totally, it's pretty cool. Are you ready for the rapid fire round? Oof, all right, I'm ready. What was your first job? Uh, so my first job was working at my dad's clothing store or running my own camp for my cousin and six of his friends. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, night owl or early bird? Definitely a night owl, although I have a two-year-old and now I am a night owl trying to wake up at six in the morning every morning. Cat or dog person? Dog. He's sleeping right over there. Nice. Um, just to jump back to the last one, how does your two-year-old wake you up in the morning? What is your two-year-old's method these days? <laughs> it's crying. And when I walk in the room, when it's my turn to walk in the room in the morning, it goes, no, dada, I want mama. I usually get a bunny thrown in my direction, a little bit of a fit. And then I go, do you want some milk? And everything changes from there. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. (laughs) Perfect. That's great. Great way to wake up. Uh, What was... Oh, it's the best, right? I I say that, you know, I've got a few children. I'm like, sometimes I go into work and I've had like four or five negotiations before my day started. And I either feel really confident or I feel totally deflated as the day none starts, of, thanks to our children. None of so. my employees have ever negotiated as hard as my daughter. Nobody. It's awesome. Well, looking back, what was the first thing you ever marketed? Um, first thing I ever marketed would have been a Ford uh, Fusion. Um, and on, a, on the Ford Gretzky Arena Tour, uh, that was my first thing nice. I ever did. It's amazing. Dark or milk chocolate? Chocolate. Just chocolate and jam. Nice. Perfect. Great answer. Um, Love it all. Yes, yeah, perfect. It works. Uh, favorite word right now? Um, oof, my team will make fun of me if I say. So trust or cadence? Yep. Trust because of everything okay. that's going on. And I just keep talking about yep. how like, you know, you can't even talk. You can't even start with conflict if nobody trusts each other. That's a huge problem, both yep. in companies outside in the world. Um, yep. Cadence because I'm right now all about building rhythm for our company, our heartbeat, the way things work, the way things organize. And I trying to get to a proper cadence is something I am saying way too much. It's awesome. But it's a great, those are great words. I like them. What is the last charity you supported financially or with your time and why? Uh, so I like Médecins Sans Frontières or Doctors Without Borders. Um, they, I just think the work they're doing is incredible, both money and personal time and support. Um, I think that. uh, Health, healthcare, what we have in Canada is absolutely incredible uh, in terms of helping. Health Health is a, is a right and it's a need and we have the ability to share it. And I think the people who work in those organizations are doing absolutely incredible stuff. Actually, there's a former Lighthouse staff that was just working there in change management and uh, organizing a lot of stuff for them. And I was so impressed by the work she was doing as she was like landing in the Congo or Burkina Faso, kind of helping with epidemics and serious challenges that were going on and just being willing to kind of touch down in places they'd never been and and do the work is incredible. I I think they're one of my, they're amazing. It's awesome. Uh, What is a movie that you love? Uh, I love a lot of movies. Can I say, I'm going to say the movie I just saw that kind of blew me away. It was, I found it really interesting, um, was the movie worth it's on Netflix right now. And it's a movie about nine 11. And I, you know, I, I, I try to actually avoid a lot of the subjects that make me sad. In fact, when my wife chose it, I was like, ah, I don't know if I can deal with sadness on a Saturday night, but um, what I really liked was it basically was like this tapestry of all these individual stories, but it wasn't told as 
It wasn't all these stories just being blurted out. It was a movie about this very obscure job that followed 9-11 where every, all the insurance money or, or all the support had to be paid out in ways where they didn't get, the government didn't get sued. And because of it, all these individuals were coming forward and, and saying their stories in ways why they thought they were worth X amount of money or how they should have been worth more and how they built that. But what you really got out of it was the incredible amount of individual stories that you think generally you understand, like I always think I understand, but they did such a good job of weaving in these intricate little stories of individuals, which frankly, as a person running a school that constantly is thinking about personalization and how you do that, I think you're always hit with, when you actually talk to people, you're hit in the face with how individual everyone's story is and how much you try to generalize it and just make it a, you know, a formula. That's great. I got to check that out. Thanks for sharing that. Favorite song or album on repeat right now? Um, so I, I went down the train of uh, Drake or Kanye West because it was just being marketed to me so aggressively. And I went, well, I've got to know I'm 36. I'm not cool anymore. So they're telling me I might be cool if I listen to this. And I'd say Kanye West's Donda is not, was the first listen I wasn't in love. And then I listened to it in the car and I thought it was like the most, arti- one of the more artistic musical experiences. Not the best, but very different than a lot of stuff I've heard. And all of a sudden I started listening to it seven, eight, 10, 12, 15 times. And it's been on repeat for a while. Yeah. Nice. That's I'm great. sorry. That's I, awesome. I, I do not, just so we're really clear, I do not stand by yeah. anything Kanye West as a person, but the music was, is pretty okay. phenomenal. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, now, if you weren't doing this job right now, what would you be doing with your life? What would I like to be doing with my life or what would it would okay. Yeah. What would I yeah. like to be doing with my life is I'd love to have been a play-by-play commentator in uh in yeah. sports. I just I don't know why. It was just something that like I'd love to do that. Um what I would probably end up doing. Um I probably like uh, there's something to the tune of helping uh, my mom is a photographer and helping sell her photographs and doing something of that nature and being in kind of a little bit more in the art space has always been interesting. Ultimately, I'd like to be doing something impactful. I just haven't thought enough about what I would be doing if I wasn't doing Lighthouse. This, this is my life. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. And speaking of which, what is an app on your phone you just can't live without? Uh, okay. I'd say in general, it's ritual because I, that's how I get my food when I am not making food here and it makes it go a lot quicker. Uh, I'd say the athletic or CBC news is where I'm getting a lot of my different types of information, but actually if we're being what I can't live without right now, I play settlers of Catan on my phone app, like twice, twice a day minimum as just a, I need to tune out and do something else. And it's awesome. And I've been on that for about seven months. So there's a Settlers of Catan app. app. And I never play Settlers of And you play never, people around the world? Yeah, I had never played in my life before getting this app seven months ago. I liked, I liked other board games and things like that and played with some friends once. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, it's pretty fun and got into it. And now it's like a twice a day habit. Okay. Like I, I think is, I, I, think I missed that. I was, I was just traveling a little bit and uh, I didn't need my phone at all for anything I was doing, but I still felt like a need to pick up my phone and want to play this game while being somewhere that was, didn't need me to be playing a game at all. I've I've heard of like Clash of Clans and Clash Royale addiction, but this is the first Settlers. Of, that's awesome. I, I love playing it in real life, but I got to check out this app. It's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> My um, pleasure. What is your favorite children's book? Oh, good question. I actually have, well, it was funny because I was reading my daughter some stuff here. I'll show you. 
one of my favorites. This is from when I was young. It's called The Giving Tree. I don't know if you can see that. Ah, good choice. The Giving yeah, Tree. Yeah, that's beautiful. The, the, the art in it is incredible. I read, that, I read that to my daughter today. And yes. another one that's here is a newer one. And it's called Press Here. And all it is, nice. is you make your child nice. press the dot. And Aww. then all of a sudden, two dots. And you have to press one of the dots. And then it becomes three and yada, yada, yada. And there's all kinds of things. And it's a really Aww. good one. That is I'm awesome. actually very happy that, that I awesome. just had those here. So I was reading from this morning. That's perfect. Um, best thing you ever bought for under $10? Um, best thing? A drink for my wife the first time I ever met her that took her away from her friends to just have a drink with her. And we ended up getting married. So I'm going to say that was the best under $10 purchase I've ever made. Yes, that is a great one. I don't think one. anything else has had the long-lasting long effect of uh, and the, the results that that one drink obviously helped attain. What's the most important thing you ever changed your mind about? Um, changed my mind about a lot of things. Um, probably that impact, that finance has to be number one in a company and impact has to be number two. And I changed my mind on the vice versa version of that as well. At different times, I thought from a business perspective, finance and business have to be number one. Everything else should be number two. Flip that. No, I actually think impact and what it's causing should actually be the number one driver. And finance should be what supports that because impact will always drive more results through what it's, it has the longest lasting effect. And then what I've actually come to terms with recently, recently, past five years is I actually think they have a symbiotic a relationship of which there should be a balance. And I think balance is kind of the, is my, that's my actual favorite word, probably. That's awesome. That's, that's really cool. Business or marketing book that you'd recommend? If it's for a general audience, it's good strategy, bad strategy. I just okay. think that book, I think anyone, anywhere, if you read that book, you could, I could read it 20 times over. It'll make me think of something that I could do better every single time and ultimately good strategy in whatever you're doing is the most important thing. It, it keeps it simple. It keeps your life simple and it probably creates that work-life balance and that balance in general that you want when you really know how to define a good strategy and, and execute it. It's awesome. Um, podcast that you recommend. So believe it or not, I actually do not listen to very many podcasts. I'm not a podcast yeah, listener. Yeah. I, the, amount of, the amount I speak to people in the day, the amount of content I read, the amount of stuff that goes on. Uh, I love music. If I'm putting on my headphones, it's music yeah. or it's talking to someone on the phone. Um, so I, I would be a bad recommender of podcasts. That's, oh, that's all right. That's but, great to know though, what you do. <laughs> With your your brain, your brain spit. You only have so much in the day. So yeah, it's the one place. Um, it's the one hearing people talk is probably the thing that I've learned over time in running a company. I'm like, yeah, I, I can't do it. <laughs> so dad tip, there's a, a podcast called Circle Round. Okay. It is like magic to children. So my two, five, six, and 14-year-old, I'll put it on, you know, if I'm doing dinner, late night bath time, I'll put it on and it's just this kind of therapeutic and it's nice for adults as well. So there you go, a little, you know, listening with your children. It's like the old, old timey radio show um, <laughs> called Circle Round. And there's these beautiful little short stories, like um, often, often voiced by actors. True. That's awesome. what I should. Next time I come on here, my favorite podcast will definitely be a children's podcast because I feel like anything that's good for <laughs> my daughter, I'd probably play a hundred yeah. times. So I'm, I'm into it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah, circle around and they keep coming up with new stuff. It's great. <laughs> perfect. Um, 
How about a newsletter or website you'd recommend for resources and inspiration? Um, I love that. Okay, so the the newsletter world, I really love. Okay. Rave New World is from inspiration perspective, uh, definitely like kind of a counterculture newsletter. Yeah. Something that gives you a lot about, it's, you know, they'll just tell you some very different things. I'm not a raver, okay. just so I'm clear here. But I find from an inspiration, especially when I'm trying to think about the audiences that I look at, I think it's it's just something different. And I that's what I'd actually say to most people is as a person that thinks pretty, like I like to think on a creative level as much as possible. I find my general newsletter list is things that I'm very comfortable with. And looking at some things and forcing myself to look at something every day that's very different than the way I think is probably the most important thing I do uh, within my own inspiration side and what keeps me generating something new. The other one that's not just a resource is The Peak. It's Canadian. They're great. I'd recommend everybody take a look at them. They give you your top five little things that you kind of, you know, where the market is, some really interesting stories that are going on, just got a great feel, great little brand to them. And I've been really liking their newsletter. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's great. These are, these are so many new ones we've never had on the show before. This is so cool. How about a life hack that you'd be willing to share? A life hack I'd be willing to share. Hmm. Okay. It is going to be bad because I, I heard this whole thing about no showering and I'm not, I shower every day. I just want your audience to know that. Mm-hmm. Yes, I yes, yes. rarely wash my hair. I can't believe I'm saying this actually now on okay. a pod, on, yeah, on something right. like this, yeah. but I rarely wash my hair uh, and I don't do it because actually after a couple of weeks of not washing your hair, which your audience is probably already like, this is disgusting. Uh, but after your hair completely adjusts, it is never greasy. Yes. It is never, it, yeah. and I'm a firm believer that the oils that actually are on there, like soap, it generally yeah, dries things yeah. out and it's generally bad for you on that front, on the hair and okay. the scalp and yeah. all that. So I can't believe I admitted that today. I probably have some better yeah. life hacks, but that is, that is, that's <laughs> an honest one that when I'm talking to my friends, yeah. I argue adamantly yeah. about. <laughs> that, that is amazing. And, and okay, next question, which is often asked in the show, which I think this is like designed <laughs> for you question. What do you feel are the skills required for this new economy, this new collar workforce? Oh, I got a lot on that, but. Okay, I'll, I'll say I'll say first of all, obviously from a lighthouse perspective, but also just in general, anything to do with data, like your ability to read data, and trust me, there'll be machine learning and things reading data for you. It doesn't matter if you want to prove your point, if you or if you want to actually figure out how to solve a problem. Being good with data is probably like the fact that we have so much of it. The ability to bullshit your way through something is dying by the day. I'm watching people just like make an argument and someone just presents some data that says, listen, like I'm willing to listen to the argument, but like, tell me why I should be believing that when here's the data and it says something completely different and watching people stumble, get startled. Like I'd say data for everybody. Companies are trying to use it more and the employees that can't use it are essentially hurdles to a company being really effective. And I don't believe in data. It's not data driven decision-making it's data influence decision-making right? It's like you having your own instincts, like marketers, especially I'll talk to all of you directly. Marketers do have, if you're good at marketing, you have a good psychological element. You have an understanding of people in a way that is very hard to put data to. I'm not suggesting that it's not, but getting over the phobia and fear of what data can provide is massive. And then actually knowing how to do it really well. Um, So I'd say that's one of them. Totally different one, being able to articulately write or communicate your point 
is a skill that especially as we do more remote and you don't get to be that person that charismatically stands in front of a room and talks for an hour like I do. Uh, yeah, a lot of hand movement, a lot of pictures, a lot of analogies. People are talking nonstop about meetings being too long, work-life balance, wanting to get out, all this kind of stuff. And yet people are trying to solve really complicated problems. Articulate communication is something that everybody probably thinks they're somewhat articulate. The reality is most of us aren't. And I'm not. I'll You hear me. I, I, I joke with my team all the time. I speak in paragraphs, not in sentences. And I think that's uh, that's something that I think everybody could would mastering that is for actually amazing for a modern world if you don't want to hear about data and tech. It's awesome. So Jeremy, where can people find you, get a hold of you and get a hold of Lighthouse Labs? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, Lighthouse Labs is www.lighthouselabs.com. Pretty straightforward. You can send us an email. On the you World Wide Web. Call, a real human yeah. being that is yeah. just one of us will answer and come and yeah. talk to you. And then uh, for me, it's my, my LinkedIn is probably the best way to kind of get in touch with me. It's Jeremy Shackey. Uh, pretty accepting person of, especially if people have questions or things they're thinking about, uh, always more than happy to help and, and learn. I feel like I, I learn more than I help. So, you know, I'll, I'll take advantage of you and ask you a bunch of questions and then learn a whole bunch from me. <laughs> That's awesome. Jeremy, thank you for being on the show and sharing with our, uh, our listeners here today. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. I, re- I really appreciated this interview. It's cool. Thanks for joining us this week on Marketing News Canada, and we'll see you next time on the show. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors Travis Jeffers and The Podfather. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.